and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Chris Lewis, founder and CEO of Chris's Cancer Community, an influential and impactful online community of cancer patients, recoverers, and those affected by cancer. The community has a significant online following, including over 35,000 followers on Twitter. And Chris has shared his unique and substantial knowledge on the daily experience of living with cancer with charities, government organizations, and businesses, both in the UK and internationally. He is one of the most knowledgeable, insightful, and honest campaigners I've met. And I'm delighted to chat with him today about the current state of cancer services in the UK and what members of his community are telling him about it. Chris, it's so lovely to have you here. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for the invitation, Claire. These are important times for people with cancer, and so this is a very timely thing. Thank you. Good. Well, then let's just dive right in. Um, you know, we, we spoke, well, it's hard to believe, it was a couple of years ago now, didn't we? Yeah, you know, at the kind of summer of the pandemic. And, you know, lots has changed. Um, so <laughs> I, I guess I would just kick off by asking you what you see as the key trends that uh, you've observed through your engagement with patients since the pandemic. So in general, Claire, over that period, there are two trends that I see. So there are patients that I speak to daily that have been diagnosed pre-pandemic, and there are the ones that are being diagnosed since the pandemic. And those are two very different groups, actually. And most, I was obviously one, diagnosed very, very much before the pandemic in 2007. Mm-hmm. And and myself and others, that are, most of us in that group, actually feel grateful, <laughs> if I can put it like that, yeah. for being diagnosed pre-pandemic because what I'm seeing now is that not, not worse care, I can't say that, but much more pressured care is now coming to the people that are are new to the cancer diagnosis after the pandemic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the services are stretched. And uh, by the way, I'm talking not just in the in the uh, UK. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about globally mm-hmm. uh, as well. But specifically in the UK, you know, we all know the stories and they're not fairy stories. They are reality. Okay. Uh, you know, people are struggling to, to get their appointments with GPs. And that, for most people, is where their cancer journey actually starts. Yeah. Uh, but more and more so now, that's becoming A&E. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, in itself is a very pressured environment. So uh, it's very, very difficult nowadays for people starting their cancer journey. That uh, that, that is the reality of it, Claire. Mm, and do those with, with prostate cancer specifically show any any particular trends, any any light you can share on that? Yeah, uh, what I've noticed, and as you know, I speak from from experience, actually, uh, because I run uh, a prostate support group and I've done that for 11 or 12 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, so there is definitely uh, a difference to what has happened since COVID came. For the group, we started doing Zoom meeting, you know, so that the, the, the group had somebody that they could refer to over that terrible period mm-hmm. um, but that was very challenging in in more ways than one because we found the numbers dropped 
off quite considerably, those those that joined us on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Most of them didn't find it particularly appropriate for their needs, i.e. What they, what they actually required, is what we really know, of course, is face-to-face mm. work. Um, and, of course, that is something that's been eroded since COVID uh, everywhere you go. You know, we, we, we talked, I just mentioned about the GP situation, which is getting very tough, but also the time spent in hospital with health professionals. I think a lot of them are getting less than they actually need. You know, they're getting the basics. Of course they are. But there's a lot more to a cancer diagnosis and particularly a prostate cancer diagnosis than just, uh, you know, letters and and odd emails. Um, Mm. You know, there's a lot more involved there. I mean, are there any examples or stories of uh, people you've engaged with around this that that you might be able to share? Look, we all need time, you you know, and people who are sick need need time. Uh, they need they they want to feel that they can share their issues, and and prostate cancer is one of those that where the impact of various different treatments can be very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are surgery, there's chemo, radiotherapy, and, and so many different options that that are available to, to some. You know, some they only have one option, but there, there are various different options mm-hmm. with various different side effects and various different impacts which can last for life, Indeed. You, you know, after prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And the big thing that I'm finding really is, is that people are not having these things explained to them well enough. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, the days of, of being a passive patient are well and truly behind us now. Yeah. Uh, you have to really stand up and fight for what you want to know yep. and, and for your own health. You know, yep. um, unfortunately, the people that acquire, and this is why I do the work that I do, because not everyone's like me mm-hmm. uh, and they're not forward and they're not speaking up. You know, most people, they have great respect uh, for their doctors and, and, and surgeons and that's that's fantastic. But, you know, time and money uh, drive us all. Yeah. And, that, and I can't necessarily say that people always might get the treatment that they actually might require. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in and, and the discussions you have with, with members of your community often are aimed at just this point, aren't they? So that you can actually help them, you know, kind of almost be their advocate. Yes. Uh, I mean, particularly in the group, that's why the group, uh, that I do it's once a month, and mm-hmm. and actually that's the one thing that I've kept up since I started all my work. The rest of it is is all my own work, if you like. But this this is one area where I volunteer because actually it, it, online is it's great. Don't get me wrong, and you know I could communicate globally, but actually when when I see what's happening in my area, you know how the local GPs are dealing with things, how the local hospital are dealing with things how the local health professionals are dealing with things, it makes it much more real. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you're talking to patients eyeball to eyeball and they're telling us that, you know, they don't want to push for a blood test, you know, a PSA test, their doctor's trying to put them off from it and that sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Do you come across that a lot? I mean, do you feel that even at that primary care level, 
Um, you know, and you mentioned PSA and specific to, to prostate cancer screening. Do you think that there's more of that, you know, a resistance to, to support men in that um, early? I must have been. So you, it's a good question. In the 10 years I've been doing it, it has improved. I have to say that. Mm-hmm. It has improved. But if I'm honest, it's still not as good as it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know, look, we know PSA is not the test. Yeah. We know there isn't you know, the test that exists for prostate cancer, but it certainly can be a good guide. And, and you know, so many people have got genetic relationships where they've got their fathers and brothers and, you know, relatives that have had prostate cancer or breast cancer. Yes, yes. Uh, and it's so common, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, I mean, you've raised an interesting point because, you know, I think, again, in, in the case of prostate cancer specifically, you know, the UK has been such a center of advancement, both in, um, in you know, in diagnostics, obviously around imaging uh, and in more, you know, precision led treatments like focal therapy, which which, you know, we're involved with. Um, do, do you think patients appreciate this, that that they're actually in this sort of center of innovation for their disease? And, you know, do you think that's in any way something that would help them in, in sort of seeking more information or do you think it's kind of less relevant? Uh, listen, progress in any cancer is 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 absolutely relevant, and you know we read a lot, uh, particularly about prostate cancer, as you say. But if I'm honest with you, it doesn't seem you know. I, I mean, I read it. I'm, I like to read what what's going on, and I like to see any possible progress. Yeah, but I don't actually see that filtering down to the patients themselves. Really, nobody really talks about it. The patients themselves that I talk to, nobody really talks about that progress. I mean, everybody is concerned with what's going on in their their particular case, what is available to them. Mm. I don't mean this in a, in a horrible way, if you like, but yeah, you know yeah. what may or may not be coming down the track in five or ten years' time actually is of no concern to the people that are struggling currently. Mm. We often get patients coming to us who, you know, have obviously had a diagnosis and, and an offer a treatment offering or treatment recommendation. Yeah. Um and, and on the, the latter bit, the treatment recommendation, they're worried, um, as you would expect. And have then, you know, that's of course motivated them to you know, to go online or to talk to their friends or to just to seek further information. And so some of them who come to us, uh, you know, are are pretty well versed in some of these advancements and they, you know, they they want to understand how, why, A, why that they haven't been briefed on them, like back to a point you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, and then two, you know, how can they access them? Yeah, uh, I mean, the internet's a wonderful thing. It can be, right? Uh, <laughs> it can not be as yeah. well sometimes in health, but you're, you're absolutely right, Claire. Uh, you know, a lot of people do take to the internet and they read all sorts of things that, that actually in many cases might not be appropriate for them anyway, actually. Mm, you know, yeah. Yes, there are so many different options now for prostate cancer, which is, you know, which is a great thing. But actually we both know that not every every treatment is available for everyone and it's not always suitable for everyone. For many, there are only literally one or two options, which are the basics, aren't yeah. they, let's be fair? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, either surgery or radiotherapy, chemotherapy, or a combination of. Yeah, and of course, I mean, again, without opening this conversation up deeper, but you know, uh, that point is, you know, if if they were 
screened earlier, then, you know, you, you could look at more options, couldn't you? That I think is something we're all trying to achieve is, you know, early detection. And in which case, you know, the earlier you identify um, a man's prostate cancer, then the, the more options they tend to have in terms of treatment. Yeah. But um, that, that applies across all, all tumor types, of course. Yes, um, yes. And, that, yeah. and, and you're right. That's another, that's another rabbit hole. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. And 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 I, I'm sure that's something that comes up a lot in in the conversations you have with you with your members. Which and and, and again, you know, what, what would you say then is the good news here? And you know, what 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 do you see as the real good news in in terms of cancer care, cancer diagnosis, cancer treatment? Uh, general or prostate? Well, I mean, if yeah, I mean, obviously, I think our listeners are, are interested in prostate cancer, but yeah, please do inform it by your other experiences. I wish I could say there was a lot of good news, actually, Claire, mm. uh, but my experience isn't good news, uh, and I've said this, I've said this previously, uh, that actually my experience of talking throughout, throughout, so, so to patients to researchers, to clinicians, to CEOs, to most people involved in cancer, even politicians, right, mm-hmm. large mm-hmm. charities, all of them, mm-hmm. I can't, I can only say that that the, the cancer world in general has regressed by approximately 10 years, in my opinion. And, and do you uh, think that the pandemic was primarily responsible for that or have there been the, other the pandemic factors? was primarily responsible for that but to be fair cancer was in my opinion falling off the edge a little before the pandemic came along you know we weren't no country was really as good as it should have been for the amount of money and time invested into cancer care or cancer research in general uh, you know, our success rates, in inverted commas, what, whatever you want to define success as, is nothing in relative terms to the time and money invested into it. And basically now, of course, everything's moved over to, to COVID and, of course, now all the hospitals are blocked. There's less money coming in uh, and cancer is no longer the priority it was. That is the reality that I see. I mean, it certainly is the headlines, and and that's why I, you know, I'm very interested in hearing your views because you can obviously dig a lot deeper than what the average person reading the, you know, the newspapers can see. And and it's interesting and quite sobering to hear you say this that that actually those headlines are not that far off the mark. I guess is what you're saying. No, they're not. They're they're, they're actually reality, and they're and they're not. Uh, you know, to be honest, I'm glad to see them mm. because. Unless we know what the problem really is, mm-hmm. we can't solve it, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you know all this waffle uh, that we've seen on healthcare, all these wondrous things. Actually, I class that as as like a thunderstorm. You know what, what you do? You get a lot of noise and a bit of lightning, but actually, sometimes it's rare that the rain actually reaches the ground. And some of these sort of things that that have been talked about in the media for some period of time, the actual reality is that before uh, it reaches the man in the street, that's you and I, Mm. uh, there's there's a lot of water to go under the bridge. Mm. So, so Chris, I mean, what advice do you have for men who've recently been diagnosed with prostate cancer? You know, whatever. Let's not discuss what stage. But, you know, a guy comes to you, he's heard about... Just, you know, your community, and he says, Chris, what do you advise me to do? 
pre-diagnosis or? Well, I'm, I'm assuming somebody who's maybe just recently had a, a diagnosis. Okay. So, so my advice to anyone who's had a diagnosis of, of any cancer is keep shaking the tree, mm. chase the GP, don't sit and wait for letters from the hospital, chase mm. the secretaries, don't wait for scans, chase, chase, chase. <laughs> that requires uh, lots and lots of energy, as I'm sure you well know. Yep. It does, but to be honest, if we can't be responsible for our own health, then we can't really expect others to be Mm. that way. That is the reality, Claire, Mm. unfortunately, and that really is another reason why I do this work Mm. Mm. because the days of, you know, the letters come in, the appointments come in, just naturally happening, you know, forget it. Most hospitals can't even answer the phone properly. You know, just try and ring a hospital and see what you get. Mm. Uh, mm. So, you know, I don't think we've got much chance of curing cancer while we can't even answer the phone. Mm. But, I mean, you do find amongst your members that, um, you know, between you talking with them and them talking amongst themselves that this can actually help to, you know, build a voice, build an, an, an advocacy yes. role. Well, that's, so, that's, that is the good news then, I guess, is people are taking a bit more control over their own care. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you've pointed that out, actually, Claire, because that is – Probably the key, actually, um, and thanks again. Thanks for pointing it out. What's happened? You know, government. So I'm not just talking about our government, right? Mm. I'm not. I'm not party political. I'm not politics at all. I believe politics is a hindrance uh, to to actually achieving anything in the world. Um, but and this, unfortunately, very sadly, applies to most other countries with massive cancer issues, which is most other countries. You know, 10 years ago, everyone talked about how America was wonderful. You know, you could you could get anything in America. Of course, you could if you had the money, right? Mm, uh, mm. But actually nowadays, you, you know, the, the, the likes of you and I, basic people, cannot get cancer care, even if you're paying for it. You, you know, it, it, Australia, America, Europe, Germany, France, Spain, all of them, they have all different systems to us. Whether you pay directly or you pay indirectly, cancer care is not on the priority list. That will not change for quite some time, and I personally believe it is the power of the patient that will have to change that. People yeah. affected by cancer, let's be honest, this, you know the numbers are now 50% of us in mm. our lifetime will be directly. So if you use just the figures in the UK – just the figures in the UK, we have 60 million people here and 30 million of us will be affected by cancer. That's frightening. Indeed, indeed. And, and so, you know, the fact that government are not bothered about it, the leadership of the NHS, they're, they're just so uh, flaky that, you know, they're controlled by the government anyway, so they can't do anything about it. GPs are under the same umbrella. They can't do anything about it. So the only people that can change anything is the customer, the mm-hmm. consumer, i.e. the patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what your community really exists to, to support yeah, and to advocate for. Well, well, I mean, I, um, I, I could talk with you about this for for much longer, but I'm afraid um, I'm afraid our time is up. And I think that's a, a good note to, to end on. And our listeners can um, be directed through our program notes to to your community. And I, I hope that you do see more people coming through 
to um, seek the support that you give so generously. And I, I really want to thank you, Chris, for speaking with me today. It's been very, very enlightening and and quite sobering, but also quite informative. So thanks very much. Uh, thank you again. Thanks for inviting us, Claire. Listen, we're all on the same side, aren't we? Mm, absolutely. We're all we're all links in that big cancer chain, and we all just want to help people. So thank you very much for sharing my message too. Absolutely. A transcript of this interview and links to Chris's cancer community are available in the program notes on our website, along with further information on diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time. <music>